0: So I think if you enjoy what you're doing, you'll be successful at it. And you just have to think differently. Like, would I want to work here? Would I want to shop here? You have to honestly ask yourself those questions. And whatever you need to change, you need to be able to do that. And know that you're going to have good days and really bad days. And you can't just give up and throw in the towel. Um, You have to keep moving forward. Also, recently in the last few years, I have become better at setting boundaries and saying no. I I mean, I used to work during the day and go to events three or four nights a week. Now I don't do that. I'm much more respectful of my time. Uh, A lot of things happened over the few years to face some health situations. And I thought, I don't want to be booked every night of the week with strangers that I don't know. You know, I I need to be available for my family and be there. So I have set, you know, taking control of my time and what you know where what I do and when I do it.
1: Welcome to Empower Her Money Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Duncan, speaker, best-selling author, serial entrepreneur. We talk all things money and business. Today's episode is sponsored by freemoneytipsbook.com. Freemoneytipsbook.com. Head over there, download your free ebook today, Seven Unshakable Tips to Start You on Your Financial Journey. Today's episode, I get to interview Julie Weintraub and she is the co-owner of the Golden Diamond Source and the founder of Hands Across the Bay charity. She's going to talk about business from the good times to the hard times and the responsibility of giving back and her why. Hi Julie, welcome to Empower Her Money podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Angela. How are you? I am doing awesome. Thank you so much for saying yes to be on the podcast today. I'm super excited for you to share your story, talk about Golden Diamond Source, and of course your community efforts as well, because I know that's very near and dear to your heart. So let's get right into, tell us a little bit about your story and your background before you got into what you're doing now.
0: Oh gosh, Um, I don't know how far back you want me to go. I originally am from England um, and my father was East Indian, my mother was English, And we moved to the States when I was uh, six or seven years old. And um, I lived up in New York, Green Lawn area, and then moved to uh, Illinois and then Massachusetts. But I've been here since 87. I went to Dunedin High School. I love Florida. Like, you'd have to drag me out of here. (laughs) It's a great place to be. But um, yeah, my dad was an entrepreneur. So he was, you know, sometimes was doing very, very well. And other times not so well, like he had... Went, we went through bankruptcy in our home and lost our house to uh, the bank. You know, so we've gone through some difficult times financially. Uh, my mother and I moved to Florida and my parents divorced after 25 years. Um, so that period during high school was a, more of a difficult time. And um, my clothes then, I got a thrift store on Main Street in Dunedin. So um, you know, I always tried to know that I would work really hard to be independent because my mom was a a nurse midwife in the British Royal army. She was very well respected in her field. And she gave up all of that to become a mom and raise her three kids, which was great. But when she was, you know, my parents divorced when she was in her mid fifties, it was like her starting her life all over again. And her degree was not recognized here in the States. And I remember her having to get a job and working for $6 an hour. And after like years of really hard physical labor, them saying they were going to give her a raise and they gave her a 10 cent raise. And it was just the whole thing was really stressing. And I made a mental note when I was younger that I, that is never going to happen to me. I'm going to make sure I'm always, you know, financially independent and I'm where I am because I want to be not because I have to be. So I've always tried to work alongside, you know, Steve and us be, have more of a partnership than, um, Ever finding myself in that position?
1: Yeah. So you learned a lot as a kid from the entrepreneur side, and really starting right. from nothing as well. Yes, my
0: dad did finally make it. It was uh, he was probably about sixty. I was in my mid twenties by the time that happened. Um, but he did sell his patent and um, to a big company, Watman, out of London, and then to GE bought it later on. So um, he did very well, but it just took a long time of perseverance. But He was a great American patriot because he would always tell us this would not happen in any other country, that we would be here. And he had fun with it. He bought a Bentley before he passed and and really is like, I've made it the American dream, you know, coming here and getting recruited here and being able to, you know, file his own patent and make it and, uh, you know, literally live the American dream. So he always made sure we had an appreciation for that.
1: Yeah. And so now you're an entrepreneur, co-owner of the Golden Diamond Source Tell me, what is it that kind of helps you guys stand out from the other jewelry stores that are local or international?
0: Absolutely. We do things very differently. My husband has had the company for almost 40 years. So him and I teamed up. When we first got together, I had my own company. He had his own company. I'm like, you do your thing. I'm going to have my company. But we did finally ended up teaming up about, oh gosh, I don't know, about 18 years ago, I guess 17, 18 years ago now. And uh, we've done great together. We're both very entrepreneurial. And um, we just changed the way that um, jewelry jewelry stores were run. You go into jewelry stores all over the world and it's very uncomfortable. It's intimidating. It's not fun. Everybody dreads it really. It's not fun. So we wanted to make jewelry shopping a great experience. People come in here. We all have these headsets on, you know, so we can coordinate who's coming in and all oh, the Johnsons are here and we welcome them right away. We have Over 70 people here, we have the largest inventory under one roof in the United States for a family owned jeweler. So when you come in, no matter what you're looking for, if it's $140 or 1.4 million, we have it all under one roof. And the way we interact with our customers is different. Mm -hmm. So we don't sell anything here. We audition to be somebody's family jeweler and Mm -hmm. changing those things um, thinking outside of the box, so we got some heat for doing it because it's not normal, but it works. Um, approaching our clients that way. And then also our diamond savings account that no matter what you spend on a diamond, if it's uh, you know, $10,000 or 5000 or 2000 if it's 10 years later or 30 years later, you get 100% of what you paid towards any other diamond. And that was a little controversial at the time because most jewelers, you know, really count on that time, just like car dealers, you know, they're going to get tired of that or want to upgrade your car. And then you get pennies on the dollar for it and have to pay and, and go on. Well, with us, you're, you get what you paid. Imagine driving a car for five years or 10 years and getting what you paid for it towards another car. We literally are doing that here with diamonds, which um, has been great. And a lot of other jewelers have followed suit, although they have a lot of fine print, that you have to keep it for three years or you know, there's ways for them to get out of it. But here we just completely do that no matter what anybody wants to do. And the customer loyalty has been amazing. And we have had you know, gone from a uh, $2.5 million company to over you know, almost 50 million in a short span of, of these years. So um, what we've done, thinking outside of the box and thinking, would we want to shop there? What would make us want to shop there or do business there? has paid off for us tenfold.
1: Yeah, so you treat the clients differently. You have a different perspective and a mindset when it comes to the clients, but you're also family owned and you have family members that all work together. So talk about how that dynamic works as you have so many employees as well.
0: Yes, we have a lot of employees and we have a lot of multifamily, like our general manager, um, his uh, sister just is starting her first day today. We have a group of three sisters that work here. Um, My husband's sister, Patty, is sitting right over here, actually, and his sister, Mary. So two of my sister-in-laws work here. Nieces uh, work here. My uh, son, Adam, uh, works here, obviously, and Emily, all of our kids, and um, his new wife, Michaela, works here. We do have one kid. One of our children, Troy, is uh, working in the real estate business now, so he's kind of flown the coop and trying some things on his own, but so many of our family members work here. I think we have probably... 14 or 15 family members, either nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, uh, or our kids, and, um, and then other father and son groups and other family units also work within our company.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a testament to the leaders, to you and Steve at the top. If people want to work for somebody that is family-oriented and that treats their employees and their clients differently in a better way, then obviously they want to bring more of their family with you as well. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, you know, um, a lot of turnover in the jewelry business is really bad because people want to see the people they're working with today. I went down to an interview in Sarasota and host, I had met her before, but she was showing me her ring. She loves it. And she said, your sister-in-law, Patty waits on me. And we love her. She made this ring and for my family, whatever. I didn't even know that the thing, but the connection, but people really do like that. They like to know who they're working with. And she's like, is Patty still with you? I said, yeah, absolutely." So. They're going to reconnect and everything it's just nice to know like you want to know who your family jeweler is it's pretty important because two diamonds can be the exact same size and be completely different prices so mm-hmm. you want to make sure like when you choose your family jeweler it's someone you know and you trust that's mm-hmm. not going to take advantage of you right
1: yes yeah and so also you're very involved with the community when you first started hands across the Bay. What what were you thinking? Like, where did you envision or why did you even want to, you know, start something completely different than the business side of stuff too? Well, you know, when things
0: weren't going great, when Steve and I first got together, um, his company was not doing well. My company was doing okay. And then at one point, both of our companies weren't doing well. Mm-hmm. And I remember I made a prayer to God and I said, God, if you bless me and are, you know, to give me another chance to be a successful entrepreneur, I promise I will be worthy of those blessings. So I always like really put focus on that, that I want to make sure that I do the right things with what, you know, my success. So that was one prayer, you know, that I made. And then when Steve and I teamed up, he's uh, very forward thinking with a lot of things like changing to being able to buy in gold. Like we have two ends of our business now, where we do our estate and our diamond buying. So one of his ideas was that to really go after being able to have a safe and reputable place where people will sell their gold. If you remember back then, people were all selling their gold. It was like 1-800 cash for gold. Do you remember all that <laughs> craziness? Yeah. So that was there, and that guy was such a con man, and I think he ended up even going to prison. But he was really taking advantage of people. And so he was like, "What if we do it at Golden Diamonzo's? So we're a reputable jeweler. We pay people a fair price for their estate jewelry, and." that can be a part of our business that can succeed when um, people maybe are not lining up to buy diamonds. And that Mm -hmm. worked well, we bought over $40 million of people estate estate jewelry during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, But it really helped turn things around for us as doing commercials together. And when the economy improved, people of course, sometimes it's the jewelry side of our business that is more successful. So we do have two sides of our business and Mm -hmm. that has been a real blessing for us so I wanted to make sure when I did well, that I gave back to the community. As I told you, when I first started the you know interview, I do know what it's like to have everything. And I do know what it's like to have, I wouldn't say nothing. So I've never had nothing, but to be struggling a little bit more. You know, my family had a really big home and up north. And then when my mom and I were here, we were really struggling. I had to work busing tables when I was like 14 or 15, mm-hmm. um, just to try and help her pay the bill. So I have had that experience. So I do know what it's like. So I wanted to make sure that we were able to help people if they needed it. You know, that is important to me. And we did a lot of charitable work. We were giving away a lot of jewelry. We didn't have money at the time to give away, but we had a lot of jewelry that we weren't selling. So we started donating jewelry to a lot of different charitable organizations to raise funds. Um, And I think you were part of that as well. Back when we did dancing with the stars, but um, we were doing that for a while. And one of the organizations we worked for, we someone called us and told us that they weren't really helping anybody and that it was all going you know, in their pockets and to their family members. And I was like, no way, that can't possibly be true. Mm-hmm. And I didn't believe them. And then when I looked it up and really researched the 990, which I wasn't familiar with, most all of the money that came in was going to pay them salaries and their nieces and nephews, whatever. And, and we couldn't find anyone that they were actually helping. The last part of the charity was something, something international. And they always say to watch out for that because they were supposedly helping people overseas, but nobody really put up their hands on anyone they were helping. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, I've given so much of my time and our products to help raise money for this organization. And around that same time, we had a single father kill himself over an electric bill. He couldn't pay his electric bill. His kids came to visit him. And the electric got shut off while he had his kids, and he was just so distraught. He ended up committing suicide by cop um, because of that. Um, and then I had Audrey Mabry, the domestic violence case where she left her abuser, and um, he poured gasoline on her and set her on fire. And one thing I noticed is there was a major gap in services that some charities only do this on this day if it's a Tuesday and you're married and you have this, or you're not married and you don't have any kids, and so many like little things of why they can't help you. So I started Hands Across the Bay to make sure that we could fill in those services. So if someone literally is in crisis and no fault of their own, that is one prerequisite. There's certain sectors that we don't help with criminal records and things like that. Like if you're just making a boatload of bad choices, I'm busy, I have a lot to do. I'm helping people in a bad situation and no fault of their own, that they can call us and quickly get the help that they need.
1: Yeah. And I do, I love what you do with Hands Across the Bay. Obviously I had an, an opportunity to be part of that and I still continue to follow your journey. So being an advocate, you know, that takes a lot of time out of your, your busy life. So to be able to commit to that and to still run a business, be a mother, be, you know, a wife and a friend. So it takes up a lot of your time, I'm sure.
0: Yes. Yeah, it does. And just even psychologically, I notice like, I'm not going to do the advocacy work in the courtroom like I used to, because It's not just at the time, uh, you know, dedicated to trying and help these families turn their lives around. You know, when I'm dealing with some of the cases, the murder cases, the attempted murder cases, there's all these people you get very close to them. And you're going through all those crime scene photos and hearing the stories and sitting in the courtroom and, you know, that waiting for the jury to come back and you know, it it's a lot. And I know that some people go through one major case like that in movies and it changes their whole life. And I'm like, I've been through like, I don't know how many, fifteen. And um, I noticed it started to take a toll on me psychologically, you know, like where and I thought I need to know that there's only so much of your sanity you have to spend. And I know that we've made a big difference. That Sabrina Henley case, we set a president there, her abuser was trying to kill her and multiple people in her home. And she defended herself and her husband passed away. Um, she fired one shot when he was lunging at her. And um, it took four and a half years of my life to fight for those charges to be dropped. We even lost the Stand Your Ground trial, but I didn't give up. I just kept fighting. And now that that's happened, it sets a precedent that, you know, we don't want any violence, shouldn't be a part of anyone's house. We don't agree with anyone trying to kill their husband for you know, not legitimate reasons, but women do have the basic human right to defend themselves if they are involved with an abuser. And so many of these cases that I have where the victim has passed or is severely injured, they knew he was going to violently attack them and stab them 30 times or set them on fire or shoot them in the head. I have multiple women who have been shot in the head. I've replaced multiple eyeballs. I'm talking about severe violence. They knew they were capable of it. They knew they were coming and they just had to just be a victim of that. So now I try to empower women that you have the basic human right that everybody else does, even though you're a woman to defend yourself. So you want to avoid violence at all costs, but if your abuser breaks into your home and he's coming at you with a knife or a gun or gasoline, make sure you're ready and able to defend yourself with deadly force if you have to. So that's the message I'm putting out uh, now. Um, please, you know, avoid violence. But I want more women who are in the midst of this to be able to do that.
1: Yeah. And that's part of why I started this podcast. I want to be able to empower women. I don't want any woman to feel like she's stuck in a situation because she doesn't have financial education. That's a big part of why a lot of women will stay is because they feel like they just don't have the money to leave. So I want to help teach people by using other people's stories like yourself. So let's shift back into the business side of things a little sure. bit. Obviously, you're very busy. How do you feel? find success for yourself like what helps you stay on track keep moving forward and do what's you know kind of required of you in a very busy environment that you have
0: well uh you know one if my dad said to me and i thought it was the dumbest thing and now i realize it was the smartest thing he said if you do something you love you'll never work a day in your life and i'm like that's the dumbest thing i ever heard you can't just do what you want to do you know you have to work you know but i do love um what i'm doing i love my charitable or work obviously I do it for free and I love jewelry. This company is great. I love being here and I love selling jewelry. What great, I mean, of all the jobs you could do and all the, the services you could offer clients like jewelry is the most amazing one. So I do love my work and um, it is a lot. My schedule is pretty heavy um, most of the time, but um, running the company is, is one thing um, that I can, do with my eyes closed. Like it's 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 not easy, but it's something I enjoy doing. Um so I think if you enjoy what you're doing, you'll be successful at it. And you just have to think differently. Like would I want to work here? Would I want to shop here? You have to honestly ask yourself those questions and whatever you need to change, you need to be able to do that. And know that you're going to have good days and really bad days. And you can't just give up and throw in the towel. Um, you have to keep moving forward. Also, recently in the last few years, I have become better at setting boundaries and saying no. I, I mean, I used to work during the day and go to events three or four nights a week. Now I don't do that. I'm much more respectful of my time. Uh, a lot of things happen over the few years, Steve, face some health situations. And I thought, I don't want to be booked every night of the week with strangers that I don't know. You know, I, I need to be available for my family and be there. So, I have set, you know, taking control of my time and what, you know, where, what I do and when I do it. So you do need to get to that point where you um, really are driving your bus with your own wheel. Someone else, my assistant or someone else isn't telling me where I'm going to be. Although Chelsea does handle my schedule. I've okayed those things. Usually right. I do them. And now I'm, you know, it's always a question. Am I going to dedicate that time? Am I going to dedicate that 30 minutes to do a podcast or something like that? For you, certainly I wanted to do that. I think you've done great things and I love how you, have what you've done with your life and how you've come through and, and been successful. So to me, that was worth, you know, my time, but you have to really be picky with it because the time you're giving, you're never going to get back.
1: Yeah. Oh, good words of wisdom right there. Um, so if someone is thinking about getting into the jewelry business, if you could think back to maybe some of those early years, I like the way you talked about how you had to pivot a little bit. What other kind of advice would you give a business owner that's thinking about getting into this field?
0: Um, I don't know about the jewelry business. I think that would be a better question for Steve. You know, when he started out, I'll tell you, he, it's funny because our Christmas commercial this year, you'll have to watch it. Um, He started out with gold plated seashells, like really small, like (laughs) selling these seashells. It was like a small operation, but he did really well. And then someone stole his idea and he was like out of business overnight. Then he started over and started selling gold by the by the weight. Like you would just, no matter what jewelry it was, you would throw it on a scale and just pay that price. He had lines of people lined up for that. So he had to reinvent himself uh, several times. And there's a lot of areas in this business that you can get into being a jeweler, being a gemologist, being in sales, being an admin. There's a lot of different careers in the jewelry industry. And Adam and Emily, in fact, go to schools and teach kids about this because they're like, when you go to school, people say you're going to be a lawyer or doctor or whatever. You go to college, you don't even know what you're going to college for. They bypassed all of that, went straight to Carlsbad, California, spent seven months, not four or five years, and became graduate gemologists. So they immediately mm-hmm. have a degree and a career and are making money. So we do want people to know there's a lot of opportunities in this business. Um, and or any business. You know, I've started a lot of different businesses. We, my um, ex-husband, and I had a chain of restaurants. I had an interior design and an antique shop. Whatever business you're going into, um, your one piece of advice I would give is that your team is really, really important. Your happy employees give your customers a happy experience. So um, a safe work environment is super important. I think that's one of the leading things that has led to our success is me making sure that I'm very firm about our work atmosphere. If you're gonna have a bad attitude and bad mouth then makes night remarks about the company or your coworkers, I will cut them out. It's like a cancer in your business. One bad apple, it won't be like, okay, well we have 20 positive people and just one negative Nancy. It's not a big deal. It is a really big deal because Mm -hmm. if you have a whole bunch of apples in a bowl and you put one rotten apple in it, what will happen to the rest of the apples? They will become rotten. And it's just like that in your company. So you have to part ways with disgruntled people. You know, if you feel like you've done your best to make sure that they're okay and they're happy and they're still disgruntled, you Mm -hmm. can't make an unhappy person happy. Let them go, cut them loose. You can't have that in your company. And doing that is a huge uh, part of our success and making sure that if two employees have a disagreement, that they're able to come to us and talk it out. But what they're absolutely not allowed to do is go to another co and be like, can you believe this happened? And this is bullcrap. And this is this. It's spreading bad energy around your company. So I take that very, very seriously. And mm-hmm. I suggest that everybody, whatever business you're in, if it's a jewelry business or anything else, one, you have to be resilient and, you know, come back. Even if things go back, reinvent yourself, do it better, find a better way and don't give up Two, make sure that you have a healthy work environment. Mm-hmm and that you give excellent service. There's so much mediocrity in the world. Like mm-hmm. everybody's kind of mediocre. You go shopping, right? It's just yeah. mediocre. Everyone's just kind of mediocre, like being there. If you can be excellent at whatever you're doing, if you're selling windows or cars or wh- whatever business you're in, if you can be excellent in that particular field as a real estate agent, whatever you're doing, if you can be excellent, you will always be super successful and very wealthy. Because the world is riddled with mediocrity.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. It drives me crazy when you see that. It's like they're just collecting a paycheck instead of serving the people that are helping to pay that paycheck. Yeah, let them go. You got to
0: ruthlessly let them go. You cannot do that because you won't be able to provide for everybody else if you keep that person there. You're not doing anyone a favor. You're doing everyone, putting everyone in a disadvantage, keeping a negative person in the company. And it's not that nothing bad will happen to the company. No company is perfect. There may be a good day, there may be a bad day, but you want to know that your people will try to handle it in a positive manner and come to you and discuss it instead of discussing it with, with everybody else. So positive work environment is super important. People come in all the time and say how happy and positive it was in here and that how fun it is. And I know that that is directly related to that policy that we have set forth. I think Patty or someone was telling me the other day about someone who went to a competing jeweler store jewelry store i think it was Ola actually and they came back and they were like oh my god it was so like different it mm-hmm. was kind of like quiet and depressing and we're all like hey welcome to gold diamond stores <laughs> come on in and our employees are happy why are they happy angela they're happy because they're not fighting with all their co-workers and mm-hmm. this person isn't fighting with this person being rude to them here and being nasty to them there i do not allow that
1: good yeah and it's not a cut throat sales environment
0: no absolutely not no we don't you can do that somewhere else but you just can't do it work here
1: yeah so what's in the future for you what do you see going forward with golden diamond source you know and for you what do you think is next
0: uh i don't know i love the the track that we're on we just want to continue to serve our community well and be a great jeweler a great opportunity for people to come in we have people flying in now to see us here driving three or four hours we continue want to be here to serve our clients and take care of them. And, and, you know, whether it ends up that, that some of the employees here end up taking over the company and possibly some of the family, you know, we don't know. I just, I'm taking it one day at a time and enjoying, you know, where we're going, but I do also running a business plan for the future, but I always have plan A, B and C, right. So right. whichever on track I go, I know i planned ahead for that, mm-hmm. but, um, no matter what we're doing in the meantime, whichever direction we go, we want to remain, give excellent service for our clients and being a great choice for people that they're like, wow, I'm so glad I went there.
1: Yeah. And I am a testament to that. I've been a client as well. So I've been to the office, I've seen what you do and I I feel the positive energy there. And obviously being around you too, I've I've always admired and very glad that you've been a mentor in my life as well. So if our audience wants to get in touch with Golden Diamond Source, what's the best way for them to learn more about um, what you guys are doing? Um, they can check at goldendiamondsaurus.com. We have an
0: amazing website. You can check that out. But also handsacrossabay.org is our charitable organization. We have, um, we're doing really amazing work there. Like, it's, it's beautiful. Today I had someone call and say they had some toys to donate and two bicycles. Two hours before that, we had someone write in and say that they needed, wanted to know if we had a bicycle for a 15-year-old struggling family. He needs help with a bicycle getting to his bus stop to get to school did we have one? Two hours later, another volunteer was donating two bicycles. Like it's really amazing, beautiful things that are happening at Hands Across the Bay. And the people that choose to shop at Golden Diamond Source are a huge part of that. So we're super thankful. So check out either one of our websites. You can email uh, service at goldendiamond.com, but um, definitely check out our website at Hands Across the Bay and you can kind of see what we're doing
1: in the community and in the jewelry world. Yep. Thank you. Awesome. Julie, thank you so much for your time today. really enjoyed having you on Empower Her Money podcast and definitely go check out for the holiday shopping and for your, you know, the charity events that you have going for the holiday season as well. All
0: right. Thank you, Angela. Thanks for being such a great part of our community and being such a great boss lady with your work and your entrepreneurial efforts, you know, in history, you've always been very successful and I'm sure you have a lot of great followers following your work as well. Thanks
1: for having me on. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into Empower Her Money podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, share this podcast, and leave a review wherever you are tuning in.